You are listening to the Running With God podcast. More than nominal Christianity. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Running With God podcast. I am your host, Coach Darby, and I'm very excited to get to the Running Father Part 2 Um, We had uh, a great part one episode as we've closely examined the parable of the lost son, also known as the parable of the prodigal son. But before we get to our content, I just want to take an opportunity to throw a plug in for a race. Um, If you happen to live uh, close to the upstate area of South Carolina, there is a great race coming up, a great 5K um, on Saturday, March the 27th, beginning at 9 a.m. in Inman, South Carolina at Holston Creek Park. And this race is known as the Holston Creek Cross Country 5K. And it's not just any 5K. There's a little bit of a gimmick tied to it. It's called a carry your cross race, meaning with the last quarter mile of the race, right before you get to the finish line, somebody's going to hand you a two by four and you get the unique opportunity to carry a cross for the last portion of the race all the way through the finish line. It's very symbolic of how Christ carried his cross. Um, And it gives you a unique opportunity as a runner to do the same. So I hope to see you there. Registration is open uh, on Facebook. If you visit the Running With God podcast Facebook page, you'll see lots of links to registration for this race. Um, You can also uh, access registration for this race by going to holstoncreekbaptist.com slash run. So I don't want to waste too much time. Let's get to the content for tonight. Um, Once again, we are in session two of The Running Father, which is a very close examination of the parable of the lost son, also known as the parable of the prodigal son. Um, Last week, uh, we tried to answer the question that is what I consider to be the essence of the parable. And that question is, am I missing out on life's best by following Jesus. That's exactly what we see in the parable of the prodigal when the prodigal son goes to his father, asks for an early payout of his inheritance, and ultimately leaves the farm pursuing earthly pleasures in a city far, far away. And last week, we looked at Satan's role in all of this because ultimately uh, turning your back on a loving father and rebelling and sinning against God It is a decision you make, but Satan himself also plays a role in making that decision. We talked about how Satan is the father of lies and how he often uses his tactic of lying to us um, to get us to dive headfirst into sin without recognizing the ultimate consequences of our sin. We talked about how Satan paints this really rosy picture of sin, but always fails to tell us the true consequences of sin, because if he was truthful about where sin would lead us, we would have never dove into sin to begin with. But this week, in particular, we're going to look at what happens after that prodigal son uh, leaves his home and ventures to the faraway land. So I'm going to pick back up. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 15. 
And we're going to look at verse 11, and we're going to read the first portion of the prodigal uh, parable. Um, and I hope you can follow along with your own Bible. Uh, the parable of the lost son, chapter, uh, verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man that had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the young son got together all he had. He set off for the distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You know, the great thing about reading a parable uh, is that we get this great opportunity to sit on the sidelines and watch somebody else make a monumental mistake and hopefully learn from that example. And when it comes to the parable of the prodigal, uh, Jesus tells us this young man's story, and he really wastes no time in telling us the consequences of the prodigal's decision. So this son takes a trip to the faraway land, and in a short time, he squanders his inheritance on what Jesus called wild living or loose living. Now, in doing a little bit of research concerning the parable of the prodigal, I found out that the original word for loose actually comes from the Greek word asotos. And in the original language, it carries with it a much stronger meaning than our English translation of loose would mean. Asotos is probably better translated as riotous. So in other words, Jesus is telling us that this young man went to this faraway city and he literally had a riotous life. He lost his mind. He rebelled in every way, shape, or form. So this wasn't just a guy that just took his money and spent it stupidly and made poor choices with his money. It really means that he recklessly spent his money pursuing and chasing every desire that was available to him. You can probably just picture this guy um, going out into this lost city, literally blowing his money on anything he perceived as pleasure. That could have been partying. It could have been drunkenness. It could have been prostitutes. Really, if there was a pleasure out there to be had, his riotous style of living meant he was so self-centered that he was going to go after it, anything his eyes desired. And we see this when we look back at the text in Luke chapter 15, verses 14 through 16. And I'm going to read it again. And now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one was giving him anything. And we've already talked at length before about how walking into sin, that ultimately can equal death. But for a child of God, sin can equal something else entirely as well. And we see that played out through these scriptures. Sin for a child of God always equals poverty. We literally saw this young man spend everything that he had, everything from his dad's inheritance, and find himself laying in slop with pigs and desiring what they were eating. And nobody at this point 
was giving him a handout. It was even hard for him to find a job. Once again, this is the part of the parable where Jesus is painting this dead-end road, this final destination of where sin takes us. It just takes us to this place where we wind up broke and hungry and, for lack of a better term, ultimately covered in pig slop. So if the pleasures of the world in the faraway land don't offer fulfillment, how do we find fulfillment? Um, the parable of the prodigal uh, is just an example of how we will not find it in the world. We will not find it in sinful pleasures. But one thing that I've noticed is that in, through the entirety of Scripture in the Bible, it makes this radical claim that the fullest, most satisfying expression of life can only be found in obedience to God. Um, there's this very interesting book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And if you've never read Ecclesiastes, I would highly recommend it. Historians believe that it was written by King Solomon. And King Solomon, uh, as history tells, is one of the richest, wealthiest, most privileged, most wise rulers in the history of the world. And the book of Ecclesiastes is his account of trying to pursue the things of the world. So let me ask you this question. If money was no object to you, if you were a multi-billionaire and you had access to absolutely anything your eyes desired, what would you pursue? What would you spend your money on? That's exactly what the book of Ecclesiastes is about. It's King Solomon and his quest to see if the pleasures of the world can ultimately bring him true happiness, true joy, and true fulfillment. When we look at the story of Solomon, the book gives us this list of all the world's pleasures that he indulged in trying to find happiness. He literally slept with hundreds of women. If he saw a woman that he wanted that captured his, his attention, then he took her for himself. He even tried accumulating material possessions, uh, eating good food, uh, wearing expensive clothes, uh, accumulating jewelry from all over the world. If he saw it, if he desired it, he took it. He also tried to find happiness in his work. He kept himself busy doing lots of building projects. He threw himself headlong into these things, thinking that they would bring him ultimate meaning and fulfillment. He even prided himself in acquiring as much wisdom and knowledge as he could possibly obtain. Um, he even claimed to have gathered more knowledge than anyone who had gone before him in all of Jerusalem. He moved from one thing, one experience to the other. And I like what King Solomon had to say at the end of this quest. Interestingly enough, he said all of this was vanity. And what he describes in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, uh, verse 17, he, he actually says, So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless like chasing after the wind. I think that is very profound and that amidst all of these things that Solomon was chasing, like chasing the wind, it was something he could never quite catch with regards to joy and happiness. So the whole point of the book of Ecclesiastes is to show us that nothing in the world can satisfy or meet the deepest longings of the human heart. And Solomon comes to this conclusion in chapter 3, verse 11, when he says, He, now he's saying he, meaning God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. 
yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. What Solomon's come to recognize is that he has this hole in his heart, and he's been trying to fill this hole with things of the world, things of the earth, um, earthly pleasures to try to somehow make himself whole. But he can't do it, and he comes to recognize that it's because God has put eternity into the hearts of men. We have this longing for the eternal, and the things of the world are temporary. They don't last. They're short-lived. So you can't put something temporary into a hole that's the size of eternity. Only something that is eternal can fill that void in the human heart. And God has strategically placed that in our hearts because we were not designed to live on this world forever. Therefore, these earthly pleasures, these earthly pursuits, they do not fill a God-sized hole in our heart. That can only be satisfied by something eternal because God has given us this eternal longing to have something that transcends time and space as we know it, and that is a relationship with Him, a relationship with the Father. That is the only thing that can fulfill um, that void, that eternal void that's in the hearts of men. Unfortunately, Many people are never going to understand that. Many people are going to continue to try to find the things of the world to stuff into that void to feel whole, to feel complete, when in actuality it is a God-sized hole in one's heart. And if you're not looking for eternal things to fulfill that void, you won't find them here on planet Earth, unfortunately. So let's look one more time at how Jesus describes the consequences of the prodigal son's rebellion. Looking back at Luke chapter 15, verses 14. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country, and he began to be impoverished. And when Jesus is talking about this prodigal being impoverished, he's not just talking about physical poverty. He's also talking about spiritual poverty. Because as we've seen, the son has not only turned his back on his father and taken this trip off into the faraway land of sin, he didn't just wreck his life, he also wrecked his soul. And unfortunately, he had to discover the harsh reality that everything he thought would bring him joy and pleasure and happiness ultimately brought him pain, misery, suffering, and guilt. But it was that pain that would ultimately serve as the catalyst to cause him to get up from the muck and make his way back home. I want to read to you an excerpt from the book, The Long Walk Home, by Dr. Matt Carter. Pay attention, because this is good stuff. Dr. Carter says, You see, the bad news for the believer walking in sin is that it will produce emptiness and misery every single time. But the good news is that when a believer sins, the Holy Spirit will use that emptiness and misery to serve as a reminder that there is a place and a home, and a person that will always take you back, restore you to wholeness, and fill the deepest longings of your heart. And that's what I've come to realize is truth. The answer is pretty simple. If you want to be satisfied, you can find satisfaction. I've learned that it comes with one person and one person alone that can actually meet and satisfy those eternal longings of your heart. And his name is Jesus. And what I love about the parable of the prodigal son is that it's a parable for all of us. Because at one point, if you're being honest with yourself, at one point in your life, whether you're there today or you were there in the past 
or you're tempted to go there tomorrow. We were all in that lost city of sin. We were all chasing the wind, chasing the pleasures of the world, trying to fill that void in our heart, that God-sized void in our heart. But we failed to do it because sin never delivers on what it promises. Take it from someone who's had more than a few trips to that faraway land of sin, trying to chase things that I thought were going to bring me fulfillment and joy and eternal happiness, and they just never delivered. Time and time again, I've seen through personal experience that like the prodigal son, sin is ultimately just one more dead end. The only way out of it is to pick yourselves up out of the muck, out of the pig pen, come to your senses, Turn around and face God. And what you're going to find out, like the story of the prodigal will continue next week, is that that father will be right there waiting on you to come home. I recognize that many of you listening to this podcast probably have heard the story of the prodigal before. And you may be saying, you know, I've learned from experience, too, that that sin is that dead end and the presence of the Father is where I want to be. That's where the most fulfilling life is. But there is a chance that someone listening to this podcast has found themselves right now today in that faraway land of sin. You found yourself impoverished by sin. You found yourself crippled by sin. And I just want to tell you a message of hope, whether you're a brother or whether you're a sister of mine, that you don't have to stay there. You don't have to wallow in the mud. You don't have to wonder why you ever left the presence of the Father to begin with. Or maybe you've never been in the presence of the Father. My prayer for you is simple. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to stay there in that pig pen of shame and guilt and misery and suffering. You just have to stand up and you've got to walk away from it. And you've got to come to the Father. Because like the parable uh, of the prodigal, What we're going to find out next week is that Father has been anticipating your return home ever since the moment you left. And all you got to do is pick yourselves up and face home. Come back to the Father, and He'll be ready and waiting with open arms. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for our time together on the podcast today. I thank you for the words of life that you give us in your holy scripture and for the parable of the prodigal son that's applicable to to anybody who reads it today it transcends time i thank you for the wisdom that is in that parable father god and my prayer is that we would never venture away from your presence into the faraway land of sin and that if we find ourselves in the faraway land of sin, that we realize we can just come to our senses and stand up and come home, and you'll be ready to receive us with open arms and loving arms. But there's also a chance that we have listeners out there today that have never felt what it's like to be in your presence. They've never felt what it's like to have that eternal void in their heart filled, to feel complete, to feel whole, to feel satisfied in, in obedience to you. Father God, I pray for those that are listening that they would realize that their sin doesn't have to be a dead end for their life. They have a way to get out of that sin. They have a way to turn around and come back to the design that you have for them, and that's through your Holy Son, Jesus. 
And I thank you so much for the sacrifice that Jesus made so we didn't have to live a life of brokenness and we didn't have to try to find our own way out of our brokenness by futile attempts and by folly and failure. But instead, we can turn to Jesus and Jesus provides a way back to your perfect design for our lives. Thank you, Father God, for what you've provided to us in Jesus. And I, I just pray that we would take advantage of that, that we would that we would accept Jesus. We would accept the sacrifice he made. We would believe in him and we would repent from our sins so that we can be reconciled back to a father who wants to restore sonship and daughtership to to his children. I thank you for that, Father God. I thank you for being a God who loves us, who loves us so much that he can't stand leaving us to wallow in guilt and pain and misery and suffering. Thank you, Father God, for loving us too much to leave us in that state of crisis. Thank you for providing a way back to you. And I pray that we would take advantage of that and we would build a strong relationship with you so that we may never stray away from your presence in the first place. Help us to to find all of the joy and fulfillment that you promise we will find when we live in your presence. Thank you, Father God, for all that you do for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. I want to make sure that everyone knows that we will wrap up the prodigal son next week as the third and final episode in this series. And we're going to look at the return of the young man back to the to his father's house. And we're also going to examine the older brother uh, in this parable of the prodigal. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. And we will see you next time on the Running With God podcast. Thank you for listening to the Running With God podcast. More than nominal Christianity. Send us an email at runningwithgodpodcast at gmail.com.